0: The Tanya of Rabbi Schneur Zalman of Liadi, taught by Rabbi Ben Zion Krasniansky. Tanya's text elucidated by Rabbi Yosef Weinberg.
1: The bottom of one forty-four, and we left with the question, to Rabbi Lazar. He gave a penny before he davened, and then he would go daven. And he quoted a verse, because it says in Psalms, Through Tzedakah I will see your face. And he explained, because in order to daven, in davening, you want to see Hashem's face. You get to experience Hashem's inner self, His transcendent self, where Hashem is for Himself. No relation, not in relationship and connection to the world, to the universe. Hashem for Himself, which is completely beyond the whole frame of reference of the universe. And this illumination illuminates the ego, illuminates the soul, until you reach a level of egolessness, and you become one with Hashem. That's what we talk in Davning, about the malachim, the angels, all excited, they're overwhelmed, they're, they're, they're with, with a great tumult, because they experience this revelation of godliness, how Hashem is beyond them. Kaddish, Kaddish, Hashem is holy, Hashem is transcendent, Hashem is beyond them. And therefore it causes one to lo- lose himself, to leave themselves, to get all excited, it creates a commotion. And that's what we're trying to do in davening, we're trying to become absorbed in godliness. We're trying to lose ourselves in godliness, become absorbed in godliness, forget about ourselves, we self conscious This is a revelation of Hashem's face. Hashem reveals Himself during davening, reveals Himself, and allows us to get a taste of Himself. So how is it possible? This is an act of pure tzedakah from Hashem's part. It's an act of pure tzedakah, real tzedakah, real chesed. It's a gratuitous kindness from Hashem. And we should be worthy of this revelation. So measure for measure, in order for us to be able to be worthy of this, we also have to act kindly and generously. Tzedakah and chesed. Then he asked, but if Hashem is kind on his own, just like nature, the nature of water is, that it flows downward. So why do we need to do something to be worthy of it? Hashem on his own kindness, his own goodness, will reveal himself to us. The answer is no. But Hashem also has the attribute of Geburah, of restraint, of strength. That's the critic that says, "Well, maybe he doesn't deserve it." So, in order for the the kindness to dominate and to overcome this negativity and to overcome this question, this limitation, attempt to limit, we have to act kindly. When we act kindly and generously. Hashem responds in kind. But then he asked the question, and that's where we left off. We talk a measure for measure. So it has to be some relation, some connection, measure for measure. Of course, you can't compare our measure as a human measure versus Hashem's measure as an infinite measure. But nevertheless, there has to be some, in the same ballpark, some relationship, some connection. So it would make sense if you said that a result of our kindness, the soul in the afterlife, after 120 years, when the soul leaves the body, the soul will be able to experience a glimmer of the ray of Hashem's, Hashem's light. But how can we say that as a result of the tzedakah that we're doing, I will see your face, we get to see and to experience Hashem's essence. which completely transcends the world. There's no relationship, there's no connection within our action, our world, our reality to, to Hashem. It's Hashem's reality. There's no, no other reality but Hashem. So, so how can our goodness and kindness and tzedakah and cheser trigger this revelation of Hashem's face, of Hashem's self, to us? To illuminate our darkness, our egos, our self, and davening our consciousness. How? What's the connection? There's no connection. So it doesn't make any sense. How can you say measure for measure? That's where he left off. And that's what he's going to address now. And with this he'll answer the question that he posed at the beginning of the letter. Why we say in the davening, in the morning davening, by planting tzedakah, t- kindness and tzedakah, charity, we will sprout salvation. And this is based on the verse, the verse that says in his shea, plant for yourself tzedakah, and you will reap accordingly. But the question was, why the analogy to planting? Tzedakah would make more sense. like acquiring. You give tzedakah, you'll acquire. So you give money and by giving money, you'll acquire kindness, reward. What's the analogy of planting? Giving tzedakah is like planting.
2: This leaves us with an apparent disproportion that the practice of tzedakah before one's prayers should result in the vastly superior revelation of shuvah, Iwa during prayer. The above concept, however, can be understood by the analogy of sowing seeds of grain or planting kernels of fruit.
1: You have actually three types of growth. We as a farmer, when you need them, you have <laughs> grain, you plant grain, and you get grain kernel, and you get kernels of wheat, kernels of, of grain, barley, kernels. Beans, legumes, you're getting grains, you're getting you getting seeds. That's basically what they are. You're planting seeds and you're getting the seed. But not one seed, a whole stalk of seeds, and you're getting the stalk and then you have you have vegetables. You're planting a seed and you're getting a vegetable. A vegetable is not a seed. A vegetable, you getting a, something.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: But the vegetables, every year, that's the definition of a vegetable, one of the major, major definitions. Every year it, it changes. It grows again. Then the ultimate is you get a tree. You plant a seed, and what do you end up with? You end up with a tree. A tree is enduring, a tree lasts. And every year, the season fruits grow again. It buds, it ripens and grows again. And the tree is there and the branches are there. So, how, And it all came from one single seed. So from one seed you got a tree with branches that's enduring, that gives us fruits, that has, has a kernel. All of this from one single kernel. And it says that these different in the analogy of tzedakah being the seed so you have three different types of tzedakah. You have one person who gives 10%. It's obligation. You're obligated by Jewish law to give 10% of your earnings to tzedakah. So that's the, the uh, seed that gives sprouts, grains. Similar. Because you planted a grain, a seed, and you're getting grains. That's what you eat. You eat the grain, you eat the seeds, the kernel of wheat. That's what you use. Then you have someone who gives 20%. That's like planting a seed and walking away with a vegetable. It's a much greater novelty. From a seed, you ended up with a, veg- a vegetable. And the ultimate novelty is someone who gives Siddhaka without any limitation, even beyond 20%. That's planting a seed and gaining a, a tree. Something is way beyond. So the question here is, how do you get from a seed, tiny little seed, to even a stalk of grain, let alone a vegetable, let alone a tree? What's the connection? And even more so, as he's about to say, what happens to the seed? Rots. The seed is to rot first. You don't even have the seed. It's only when the seed rots, if the, if the seed remains intact, nothing will grow. So it's only when the seed rots, and only then, will you start growing. So, there's no connection between the seed you're planting to the result. One tiny seed. And if the seed was still there, you can say, you know, maybe if you took a microscope, you could look at the seed, you'll see the whole tree and the seed, you'll find it. The seed rots, you don't even have the seed. How do you get from the seed to the tree?
2: The shoot that sprouts from the seed and the tree with its fruit from the kernel are not the very essence and being of the seed or the kernel at all. For their essence and being has been spent and is decayed in the soil. And they are thus not the source of the vegetative property. In this vegetative property in the soil itself, rather than the particular vegetative power that resulted in the seed or the kernel, which brings about the growth of the shoot or the tree and its fruit. The vegetative power of growth is divine faculty that enables physical growth to result from a spiritual property in a manner of creation, ex nihilo. But if the actual growth of any grain or fruit results from the universal power of vegetative growth, and not from a particular seed or kernel, then why plant them in the first place?
1: It's clear that it's not the seed that makes it grow. It's not our actions that make it grow. It's a purely divine event. It's an impossible event. Planting a seed, in general we say, your gaiti, your matzasi, timing. If a person works hard, the results are not commensurate to your effort. It's like matsasi, like finding something that's a lost object. You didn't work for it, you just bumped into it. So if a person works hard towards a goal, the results will be way beyond your efforts. But nevertheless, there is some relation, some connection between your effort and the result. When it comes to a tree, it's not a miracle, it's an impossible event. Well, what is planting, how does planting what does planting have to do with the result? I can't even delude myself. it's because of anything that I've done. I planted a seed, and, and suddenly I end up with this tree, and the seed rots first. What's, what's the connection? There is no seed. Even. It has nothing to do with. Me. It's a purely divine event. Hashem put inside the earth, he put the ability. On the third day, he said, "Tatre the earth shall sprout grass and, and vegetation. So he put in the earth this inexhaustible ability to create almost something from nothing and to regenerate. And it's inexhaustible. So it's Hashem who's creating it. And that's why it says, very interesting, the Talmud says, there are six orders in the mission. The Talmud says it's based on a pasuk, and the very first order is the order of planting zeroyim. It's called zeroyim, planting seeds. It discusses all the laws of agriculture in Israel, and the beginning of the pasuk is vahoyu itach, faith, the faith. So faith, the Talmud says, and he says itach a time. So time refers to the order of, uh, of mayadim of zmanim of, of times all the holidays, Shabbos, that's that's the, but the first order, the first order is the order of planting. And the pasuk, the verse refers to it as faith. The question is, faith? Faith, holidays have to do with faith. God performed miracles for us, took us out of Egypt. Kachim, offering a sacrifice to Hashem, sanctifying the sacrifice, the animal offering it, that has to do with faith. Purity, the order of purity, that has to do with faith, because it's not something tangible, it's not something you can see in the laboratory. It's pure faith. This the Torah says is pure, and this Torah says is impure. Planting, agriculture, faith—it's the most natural thing in the world. All the nations of the world plant and live off agriculture. What do you need faith to plant? And The answer is because this is what distinguishes a Jew. For a Jew, nothing is natural. Everything is really supernatural. Everything is really God. The non-Jew will take a seed and plant it because he takes it for granted. You plant a seed and it will grow. A Jew is not going to take a seed and waste it because nature says it's going to grow. It's because it's a pure act of faith. Because A, a Jew recognizes everything that goes into planting. You have to have the right atmosphere and you have to have the right, the sunshine and you have to have everything. You know, we can't even delude ourselves that has anything to do with nature. It's a pure miracle. What we call nature is a pure miracle. But especially when you realize, the Jew realizes the whole act of planting is really an impossible event. There's no natural explanation. It's a pure, divine event. You plant a seed in the ground, and from this seed, this seed sprouts and grows into this tree. It, it doesn't make any sense. It's not rational, it's not logical. There's no connection between our actions and the result. It's a purely divine event. So the act of planting is an act of faith. It's beyond the miracle. It's, it's an impossibility. So a drew looks at the act of planting and he sees Hashem's hands we're working and we're plowing and we're sowing and we're preparing and we're doing and we're, we're moving and shaking and, and then he realize, as he points out over here, it makes absolutely no sense. What, am I kidding? I'm doing anything here. What am I doing here? I'm, making, I'm planting a seed and that's going to do it. My planting, my human event, my human activity is going to make turn into this tree? Who am I kidding? It's a purely godly event. Hashem in empowered in the ground he put his divine utterance one of the ten divine utterances the beginning of creation he empowered the ground the ability divine ability to create almost something from nothing and this is like the closest we get to something from nothing from a seed one tiny seed and a seed that rots it ceases to exist and from this seed it's going to grow into a tree with fruits and kernels and branches and what's the connection? So, therefore, it's the ultimate act of faith. Why would I plant a seed? Why would I waste this seed? Only because I have faith. Hashem, Hashem, I see Hashem's hand in it. Right? What's the Jewish line, right? Miracles do instantly, the impossible takes a little longer. <laughs> That's you, you. Yeah, but they don't realize. They don't make a connection that it's faith. To them, it's the most natural thing in the world because they don't stop and think. A Jew looks at this and says, this is the most astonishing event, this is an impossible event. What's the connection between our action and the result? My planting a seed is gonna to lead to plant to, to a tree. Makes no sense. So obviously it's not my my actions, not my doing. It's purely Hashem's doing. If that's the case, the question is is the opposite. Why are we planting a seed together?" if Hashem does everything it's something from nothing and the whole action and the whole result is from Hashem yes the impossible takes a little longer a tree takes time till you plant till it grows but if the whole thing is from Hashem why do I have to plant if my actions hardly mean anything why do I have to plant altogether that's the question what's my role here what am I doing here what am I contributing here what is the act of my planting a seed what does that contribute how does that help why shouldn't it grow on its own Because anyway, Hashem is doing everything. So what is my act of planting a seed even contributing? That's the question. So of course it's a pure act of faith. A Jew sees Hashem in it. The non-Jew doesn't see Hashem. The same thing is with, Mahanadis points out, another seed, a human seed, which is really uh, that honor your parents. It's part of the Ten Commandments. Non-Jews were not commanded to honor their parents. Not a separate mitzvah for them to honor their parents. It's part of the universal seven Noahide laws to be a mensch, to lead a civilized life. So you have to show gratitude. Parents who raised you, took care of you, you have to respect them. But there's no separate mitzvah. Here by Jews, it's one of the Ten Commandments. And the first five, way up there. Number five. And it's considered one of the first five, which are the mitzvot of man and God. Honoring your parents, is the man and man. Why, why is that in the category of the man and God? And the answer is, because again, the non-Jew looks at children as the most natural thing in the world. You love someone, you do what you do and you have a child. You don't... What's the what's there's nothing. For a Jew, it's the most godly event. It's the most godly thing. You see the miracle in, it. because it's it's something infinite. How it's an impossible event. How can a human being who's finite give birth to something that, that's infinite that will, on and on forever and ever. So the Jew sees. The godliness, even in the most, appears to be the most natural thing. So that's what the Talmud says. That when the Jewish farmer, when the Jewish farmer plants the seed, it's an act of faith. That's where you see Jewish faith. Jewish faith is not when he's sitting in the synagogue and, and he's sitting in the temple with his holy animal and he's, doing the laws of purity and impurity and celebrating the holidays. No, no. The act of faith is the farmer in the field. And the farmer in the field, the Jewish farmer, and that's what distinguishes the Jew from the non-Jew, the Jewish farmer senses in this the divine hand. This is a purely act, a divine act. There's no human fingerprints. In this. It's an impossibility. My human planting a seed is going to lead to this tree? I and mean, Who am I kidding? it's purely an act of God there's no way to explain it so for the Jew it's so crystal clear it's an act of Hashem it's an act of God so it's an act of faith for him to plant the seed is only because it's an act of faith he sees Hashem in this but the question is then then why bother even planting a seed let Hashem do everything (laughs) why does Hashem need our participation what do we contribute Hashem does everything anyway and does the whole thing it's an impossible event. It's something from nothing. So what do we contribute?
3: The answer is, it is only that the earth's vegetative power does not manifest its power outwardly from the potential to the actual except by means of the seed or the kernel that are decayed in the soil and whose whole power, the power of growth that originated in the earth's vegetative property that was implanted in them as they grew, has been consumed by the vegetative properties in the soil. So that they unite and become one, i.e., the particular power of growth that resulted in the seed or kernel unites with the earth's universal vegetative property. In this way, the vegetative property actualizes its potential and effuses vitality that makes possible the growth of a shoot that is related to the seed that was sown.
1: So, this vegetative ability, the divine vegetative ability that Hashem planted in the earth and powered the earth. It's a potential. But we have to activate it. So it's our act of planting the seed that activates this potential, reveals this potential. And it guides this potential. Because the vegetative ability, the divine vegetative ability to create something from nothing, anything, anything can grow. But I want a tomato. How am I going to get a tomato? So I need a seed, a tomato seed and put a tomato seed it will evoke, arouse, awaken this ability the divine ability to create but it will channel this ability to create a tomato and not, not, a, not, not an apple, not anything else it's not a tree, it's a tomato, a vegetable and a specific vegetable, whatever it is and in order to do this the seed has to rot first it's only when the seed rots and the seed becomes one with the earth that it evokes, because this seed was also, where did the seed come from? It came from the vegetative power from within the earth, that Hashem empowered the earth. So therefore, once it rots, and it becomes one with the earth, now it has the power to evoke and to arouse and to awaken this ability from within the earth, and to channel it, to create this specific fruit, or this specific vegetable, this specific grain. So first it has to rot. And, you know, this ability to become completely egoless, become completely one, which is earth. Earth is is humility. Everyone steps in the earth. But we don't realize how great the earth is. All creativity comes from the earth. If you put a seed on your table, and you water it, (laughs) and the sun shines on it, nothing will grow. You put it in soil and then miraculously it grows. So Earth is the greatest power of all. Everyone steps at the Earth, but Earth has all the treasures. Gold, diamond, silver, oil, gas, all the minerals, but the ability to grow, something from nothing, to regenerate. Inexhaustible, inexhaustible, renewable energy, inexhaustible. But Earth, the only way to approach Earth is through humility. A person, When the seed becomes completely loses its ego, loses its identity. As long as you remain a seed, the seed is tiny and the seed is bitter and the seed is, is horrible and nothing will grow from it. The seed has to lose itself. That's has to rot. Then it becomes one with the earth and separate from the earth and then it could, it could evoke and awaken this ability within the earth to create and to grow. That's why it says that the, the earth represents to receive, the ability to receive. The ability to receive is much greater than the ability to give, to project. That's the difference between the masculine energy and the feminine energy. Masculine energy is to project, to give. The woman energy, the, the feminine energy is to receive. To receive is much more dynamic, much more creative, much more powerful than the ability to give. That's why it's the woman who creates. She's the one who gives birth to the child. She's the one who's only God has the ability to create. And who did he give that power to? To the woman, not to the man. We can give, but we can't receive. And therefore we don't have the creative ability, the divine creative ability to, to create. And that's why the, the Talmud says that one measure, there were ten measures of speech given to the world. One measure was taken by man, and nine measures were taken, taken, taken by the woman. <laughs> now People look at it and think it's a, it's a put-down, but the truth is it's not so. It is a difference of nature between man and woman. A fact, you know, the most important thing in your life. You can talk about it two, three minutes, and it's done. You said everything that needs to be said. Seemingly, <laughs> really the most insignificant thing in the world. If you have three hours, we can start, start approaching the subject. But why? Because for the man, everything is detached, abstract. But the ability to become one with the subject. Once you become one with the subject, everything is an experience. It's not just, it's personal. It's an experience. It's not just something that happened to me. It's 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 my being. When the seed becomes one with the earth and suddenly for the man, it's a seed. A tiny seed. There's nothing here. You can barely see it. And you put it into the ground and suddenly it turns into this luscious tree. Where exactly did you find this tree in that little seed? <laughs> it was a small event and suddenly it becomes this whole experience and this whole... But that's the ability to receive. When you, when, you become, when you become one with it, when the seed loses itself and becomes united with the earth and becomes completely one, inseparable, then it unleashes the creative power. Then it's infinite. Then it's divine. Then it's unlimited. Because as long as it's abstract and it's ego, it's external, it's superficial. So it's limited. It's a tiny seed. You can't get beyond it. You're like in a box. There's a glass ceiling. You're limited. But once you get beyond your ego, and it becomes an experience, and you become unified with it, with your whole being, then you reveal that the creative energy, the divine infinite energy, suddenly becomes infinite. This tiny seed becomes an infinite event. A tree that will grow, and continue to grow, and continue to give up fruits, with many seeds, and on and on and on. All of that from one that tiny little seed. Why? Because the seed was absorbed in the ground, it was received in the ground, it was unified with the ground, it completely shed its, Externals, it rotted, it became one with the ground, it lost its identity and became unified with the ground. And therefore, this seed, which is also created from the ground, once it sheds its shell, and it sheds its external self, and it becomes one with the source, with the ground, then it touches that divine, infinite, creative ability that God placed in the ground, and it evokes that ability to create and to create specifically whatever the seed was. So it'll never happen that you're going to plant an apple seed and you're going to end up with a tomato. Whatever the seed is, that's exactly what what you're going to get. But you're going to get it, like he's going to say now, in an infinite way. You planted a tiny seed, and what's the result?
3: In this way, the vegetative property actualizes its potential. It fuses vitality that makes possible the growth of a shoot it is related to the seed that was sown, though with a very great increase in any single shoot, so that one ear of corn comprises many grain.
1: Grain, you're eating the grain. You're using the grain, which is the seed. But here you planted one seed and what do you get back? Many, 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 many seeds.
3: And? Likewise, there are many fruits on a single tree.
1: And a fruit is, a, is already different. It's not You planted a seed and you get a fruit and many fruits.
3: Moreover, the very nature and essence of the fruits immensely excels the nature and essence of the plant kernel, in that the bland and tasteless kernel serves as the source for a delicious fruit, as well as the continuing ability after that fruit. The same is true of the produce of the earth, which grows from seeds, just like kernels, such as cucumbers and the like. Those fruits and vegetables are not only quantitatively superior to the kernels that served as their respective sources, but are qualitatively superior as well. The difference between grain and its original seed, however, is only one of quantity.
1: So we have three three categories. You have grain. So you're planting grain. You're planting a seed, and you're getting back a seed. But you're getting a, you're getting many more seeds. Quantitatively, there's no comparison. You planted one seed, and you're getting back a whole whole stalk of seeds, of grain. Then you have vegetables. Vegetables, not only are you gaining many vegetables out of one seed, quantitative difference, but you're also getting qualitatively, you're getting a whole different quality. You're getting a vegetable. You planted a seed, an inedible seed, and you're getting back a vegetable. And with a fruit, it's even more so. With a fruit, you planted a seed, not only are you getting back a tree, a tree that lasts, that endures from season to season. It sheds its fruit, but then it grows again. And the seed endures. Unlike a vegetable, a vegetable tree, a vegetable bush, it doesn't, it's, every year it has to grow again. So we were discussing earlier, I believe Yitzhak, the Rebbe's father, explains that these three levels, these three um, results of, gra- of either grain or vegetables or fruits correspond to three different types of tzedakah that we give. A person who gives 10% of their income. So the result will be... The result will be like a grain. That you, you'll, you'll, you'll cause to flourish, you'll cause to, to ripen, to grow into grain. So it's a quantitative leap, but it's not a qualitative leap. A person who goes beyond and gives 20% of his income, beyond his obligation, is not a stickler to the law, goes beyond and gives more than he has to give he will evoke he will bring out like a vegetable which is a qualitatively the results will be the rewards will be not just so numerically and quantitatively beyond what he's given but even qualitatively it will be a whole different category of reward Hashem will respond by giving him like a vegetable which is totally a whole different quality than what you planted which is a seed but the person who gives tzedakah without any limitations, not, not even limited to the 20%, maybe he keeps for himself 20% and gives generously to tzedakah, that person, the reward will be it's like giving, giving uh, creating a tree through planting that seed, you birth to a tree which endures, which is the ultimate transformation, qualitative leap from the seed. Of course, that takes the longest. Grains grow very quickly vegetables take a little longer. A tree takes the most time. That's why it says tzadik atama yifrach. A tzadik is like a palm tree. Palm trees take 70 years for them to mature. Many farmers, they don't even plant it for themselves. They plant it for their children. They won't see it. But they said, as the Talmud says, farmer says, when I grew up as a child, the palm tree was here. I didn't plant it. My grandfather planted it. So I'm planting now. I'm planting the seeds for the trees that will be there 70 years from now for my for my grandchildren. It's also seeds, and um, you know, every one of us. You don't know, realize the power of a seed. All seven billion people, all of us, all come from one single seed. <laughs> Adam and Chava. Adam, one seed. Every one of us is like a little adam of Chava. Just a few generations, it turns out, you know. Our, if you go back, if you go to your ancestor, a hundred years ago, two hundred years ago, every one of them probably has tens of thousands of descendants. Think about it: tens of thousands of descendants. Because it's it's way beyond. It's not a little a little seed. And how do you get from this little seed into this whole? It's Hashem's doing. It's not our doing. It's a purely divine event. It's, it's it's an impossible event. It's a purely godly event. But we have to plant the seed. We plant the seed just in order to evoke, arouse, and awaken this divine ability, and to channel this divine ability that it should give it should create something that's like the seed. So whatever the seed is, that's what the creative ability, divine creative ability in the earth will create the seed, the, the type of tree, whatever it is, it's in the seed.
0: All of this is so because the stem and roots of the vitality of the fruits issues from the vegetative property in the soil, which includes the vitality of all fruits and causes them to grow. Nevertheless, a kernel, moreover, the kernel of the specific species desired, must be sown, as is now explained. While the kernels that are sown in the ground are only like an arousal from below, that is necessary if one is to elicit reciprocal arousal from above.
1: He says it's like an arousal from below. As we learned earlier, measure for measure, but really it's only like an arousal from below because, and he's going to say in the language of the Kabbalah, it's like, it's like a relationship. So when we awaken ourselves or we arouse within ourselves, there's a powerful response from Hashem. Not that it's a logical thing. How can we evoke a divine response? There's no connection. It's like planting a seed. How do you get from a seed to a tree? It makes no sense.
3: If the right conditions are in place. It's like when we said the oak having the vessel your body to be able to take in.
1: But it's not our doing. We understand it's purely Hashem's doing. Because there's no way that it's an impossible event. There's no way that this little seed is going to end up in this tree. Turn into this tree. I, I, it doesn't make sense. Especially the seed rot first. So how do you get from here to there? It's a purely divine event. There's almost no human fingerprints in it. But nevertheless, Hashem wanted, Hashem desired. And He says, if we do our thing, He's going to respond. Not that it inherently makes sense. But Hashem, Hashem does so desire that our effort, our planting a seed, evokes this powerful response. It has nothing to do with us. It's almost incidental, it has nothing to do with our actions. Because the whole growth of the tree is directly by Hashem. It's not anything that we're doing. It's something from nothing. How do you get a tree from a little seed? That, 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 and even that little seed is not even there. It ruts. So the whole thing is a divine event. There's no human fingerprints in this. But Hashem said that He is going to do His part. Once we do our part, like in a relationship. It's a two-way street. It's not a, it's not a mechanical thing. It's a two-way street. And we open our hearts, Hashem responds. To say that there's a relationship, we open our hearts to Hashem, Hashem will respond to us. (laughs) What's the connection? Our tiny hearts and Hashem responds. Hashem responds. How can we awaken Hashem, arouse Hashem, inspire Hashem? Because Hashem desired. Not because we... It's like we're planting a seed. Can anyone delude himself that our planting the seed is causing the tree to grow? It's purely Hashem's doing. But Hashem desired... He entered into a relationship with us and He so desired that yes, we could have that effect on each other. And that's why He says it's only Jews. The Jewish people are compared to that earth that Hashem desired. If you plant something in the desert, nothing is going to grow. If you plant it in the earth, then it will grow. So Hashem desired. When a Jew puts on tefillin, you cause tremendous things to happen in the higher realms, in the divine realms, in the infinite, and Hashem, Hashem, what happens if a non jew puts on Tefillin? What happens? Nothing. Nothing. It means nothing. It's like planting a seed in, in in the desert. It doesn't do anything. So Hashem chose to enter into that relationship with each and every Jew, that we have that ability by our awakening our hearts and whatever we do, and our own personal eyes, whatever we do, our mitzvah, our Torah has the ability, it's like planting a seed that awakens this powerful divine response, divine reaction. So yes, we have to do something. Because if you don't plant the seed, nothing will happen. So you have to plant the seed. But the first seeds nobody planted. It says okay. No, it says, no, says till Adam. Till Adam came, there was no rain. Only when Adam came and that's when, the, that's when it really started the planting and the, the rain and because there was no one to work the ground. The truth is before you plant a seed, there's something else you have to do. You have to plow. Because the earth, even fertile earth, has to be plowed. Because when the earth is together, it's not receptive to receive the seed. You have to shake and loosen the earth. When a person is egotistical, a Jew is fertile ground. But if a Jew doesn't plow himself, and is taken by himself and is egotistical, then it's like a clump of earth. Nothing nothing can grow there. First you gotta you gotta rub yourself a little, you gotta, you know, take the dirt and loosen it a little. You have to flex yourself a little. The person is rigid, the person is egotistical and arrogant, and nothing will grow here. It's fertile ground, it's fertile from today till tomorrow. If it rains, but you don't plow the field, nothing will grow. Hashem can give all the blessings in the world. But, but you have to set, you have to prepare yourself, you have to open yourself up. So first you got to plow the land. Then you got to plant the seed. And then realize Hashem does everything. It's an impossible event, we don't do anything. But Hashem wants, He wants our participation. He gave us the merit that we can have that participation. That He responds to us. We plant a seed. And wow, you end up in this lush, beautiful tree beautiful orchard. I planted a few seeds and, and look what happens. It's a divine event. It's, a, it's beyond a miracle. It's an impossible event. Something from nothing. I have nothing to do with it. But Hashem wants our, our participation. He wants to plant the seed. Plow the ground, plant the seed. And then I'll take care of the rest. I do, I do everything, but I need you. Otherwise it just remains a hidden potential. We all have that potential. But nothing happens. We can be sitting in a gold mine, but nothing happens unless we strike the match, unless we light our fire, unless we do something. Plant the seed? We have to plant the seed. And then Hashem responds in a way that's totally beyond. There's almost no connection between the seed. Just like when you physically plant the seed, what's the connection between the seed and the tree? How do you get from this tree, from a seed, the multitude of seeds, to a vegetable, to a tree, with fruits? What's the connection? It's an impossible event. It's a purely divine event. True, but it only happens after you plant the seed. That's our part. This
0: arousal from below being referred to in the writings of Rabbi Yitzhak Luria of blessed memory as the elevation of Mayim Nufkin, commonly abbreviated as Mayim yud Yudnum, the arousal of the feminine waters that serve as a recipient of the efflux of the male water.
1: Just like the uh, male-female relationship, just like in a relationship, it's a, it's a two-way street. It's a real relationship. It's a, it's not just a mechanical event. If you open your heart, you are interested. She's interested in him. He he will respond. But if there's no interest, then it works two ways also. It's a two-way street. It's reciprocal. It's. Um, So if you open yourself up, Shem responds. If you don't open yourself up, then nothing happens. So it it has to start the initiation. You have to initiate. So the woman initiates and she evokes a response. She seduces him, she evokes a response from him. She has an interest in him and therefore he has an interest in her. So we have an interest in Hashem. When we open ourselves up to Hashem, when we desire godliness and we desire Hashem, Hashem responds in kind. Hashem opens Himself up to us.
0: The same applies here as well. The power of vegetative growth is a spiritual power that encompasses all fruits and vegetables. Its spiritual state is such that it is far too lofty to descend spontaneously to a level at which you can make physical produce growth. The actual growth can only come about as a result of elevation of the feminine waters of a particular fruit or young. This arouses within the universal vegetative property, the particular manifestation necessary for the growth of the specific kind of produce that is inherent in the kernel or seed that is sown.
1: Planting the seed focuses uh, this infinite energy into something very concrete, very specific, and very detailed. The
2: earth is feminine waters. Isn't
1: it? The earth is the feminine waters, but also planting the seed is what evokes and, or, and focuses this ability in the earth. Focuses it in a very specific way. Yes, the woman is the feminine waters, but the uh, but it's only by planting the seed that. The earth will create and give birth to something of the seed. It will give birth to to something that's similar to the seed. So this ability to create is an infinite general ability to create. But to activate it and to focus it and concentrate it, something concrete to create this fruit, this particular tree, even to create this child, so it, it follows the seed whatever the seed, that's that's what will, that's what the earth will create. So, this is all by way of analogy. And now he's getting back to answer the question. He asked earlier, how is it possible that by giving tzedakah, by literally giving tzedakah, Abel Lazar used to go out and find a poor person to help before he daven, this Evoked such a powerful response from Hashem that Hashem revealed His face in davening, allowing us to get lost and become absorbed and lose ourselves and rise above our egos and completely become absorbed in Hashem's infinite self. The question was, what's the connection between our act of tzedakah, giving a penny to a poor person, giving him a piece of bread, helping a poor person in need, and that there should be such a powerful response, a level of godliness that transcends the whole universe. What's the connection? But with this analogy, we'll understand. Because he's saying it's like planting a seed. That's why we say in the morning prayers, we plant a seed, and that, gives, gives, that causes to flourish salvation. Because tzedakah is like a seed. What's the connection between the seed and the revelation that results? There's no connection. Just like what's the connection between the seed and the tree that grows, there's no connection. There's hardly a connection. It's not the tree, it's not the cause and effect. You plant the seed, and if it's all illogical, you can end up with the tree. It's a completely illogical event. A completely godly event. Something from nothing. It's a purely divine event. But nevertheless, it's through our planting the seed that arouses and Initiates and instigates and causes this whole impossible event to happen. So by us taking the initiative and planting the seed, this stirs up and this evokes and reveals this ability within the earth and focuses and concentrates it to, give, to create something along the lines of the seeds that you plant. So too, when we do an act of tzedakah, even though it seems a very simple act. I'm giving a penny to a poor person. So you're going to tell me that by giving a penny to a poor person I'm going to trigger the revelation of God's face, of God's infinite self, of his transcendent self, of his, in my prayers, in my consciousness. I'll be able to lose myself and become absorbed within godliness and go beyond my ego all because I gave a penny to tzedakah. What's the connection? is yes but that's the seed that you plant and when you plant a seed you're triggering an impossible event just like how did you get from the seed to the tree it's an impossible event no human fingerprints in it so how did you get from this penny to tzedakah to this intense powerful revelation of godliness it's beyond anything that even the upper worlds and the upper realms higher levels could experience it, it makes no sense it's a purely divine event but nevertheless, this, this is the seed that actually has the ability to trigger this event. That's what he's going to explain now.
2: At any rate, it is <laughs> from the above that vegetative growth entails producing something far superior to that which was sown in the ground. <laughs> Reverting to the analogy, the altar rebbe will now explain how man's and kindness affect the divine manifestation that utterly transcends man's service. This results in his receiving a reward for his actions, not only a share in the world to come, corresponding measures, albeit quantitatively superior for both this world and the world to come, are categorized as worlds, but also the quantitatively superior revelation of Shuvr, Elah, that transcends by far any state that could be called a world.
1: So just like in the seed, when you plant a seed, you, when you plant grain, you're going to get grain. So there is only a quantitative difference. I planted one seed and I'm getting a, a, a large amount of seeds in return. But nevertheless, it's not a qualitative difference. It's in the same world, the same realm, just m- not commensurate to the amount of seeds that I'm planting. But when you plant a seed and, you, and for a fruit tree what you gain is not just a quantitative difference, you're getting a tree with many fruits, you're getting a fruit and you're getting a tree that endures all from this tiny little seed it's a whole different quality so too when you give tzedakah it's not just that Hashem will reward us with a quantitative difference superior that will receive a revelation in the world to come this world we planted a seed in this world and what are we gaining in return? many seeds in the world to come, in the afterlife. But he says it's much more than that. It's a qualitative difference. Because we're gaining a revelation of Hashem's infinite self, infinite essence. That's beyond the whole category of worlds. It's beyond the whole realm of worlds. And that's revealed to us in our davening and our consciousness. This is a qualitative superiority. I'm planting something of this world and what am I gaining? Something is completely not only not part of this world, not even part of the world to come. Hashem himself. That's the analogy of the seed. I'm planting a seed and what am I triggering? From this seed, I'm triggering a tree. It's nothing to do with me. It's a purely divine act. But you have to plant the seed. And planting a seed is giving the penny to Sadak. That's the power of Tsuak. When you give tadaka, you have to think of it like I'm planting a seed. And what I'm gaining, it's not just many, many more seeds. I'm gaining something that's... There's no relation, there's no connection. Between this act and what I'm gaining in return, I'm gaining a tree. I'm gaining a revelation of Hashem Himself. A pure act of tzedakah from Hashem. A pure act of kindness from Hashem. But well, what triggered it all? It's all a tzedakah of Hashem. Hashem doesn't owe us. It's completely not commensurate to our actions. But what triggered it? It's the planting the seed. That's the power that we have. We have the power to plant seeds. We have the power to trigger these impossible events.
3: Because if everybody could do it, then it, then it does have an impact on the recipient. Even though your piece might be so small, but you have other people also giving sadaka then that will have the, the, everyone has that kindness to the, and the, the recipient then has
1: but, he say, but he's saying even, even if you're the only one even if it's just you because of your kindness your kindness and your act of physically giving that person a penny maybe saving his life he can buy a piece of bread that will save his the life even the first penny you know you saved his life that penny maybe he can't buy a steak but he can buy a life He'll save his life that act of tzedakah is so powerful. It's like planting one seed. That's all you need is one seed. It doesn't matter what other farmers are doing. I plant one seed, and this seed will turn into this luscious tree. It will trigger an impossible event. It will trigger something that's purely divine. No human fingerprints. On. A tree will grow, which has nothing to do with me. I, I grew the tree. I can't even delude myself. I have anything to do with the growth of this tree. It's Hashem is growing the tree. But he wants me to plant the seeds. I planted the seed. That's all, that's all I'm doing. I'm planting a seed. And then Hashem takes over. I'm giving it to Hashem. Hashem takes over. Hashem takes over. It's a whole different dimension. It's a whole different level. It's a qualitative difference. It's a whole different world. It's, a, it's not even commensurate. It's not. It's many more. I'm planting one seed and Hashem will give me back many seeds. As in grain. I'm planting a seed. I'm getting back a tree. Full of trees, fruits and I will grow and grow and continue to grow. And What's the connection to my one little seed to what I'm getting in return? There's no connection. Hashem takes it to a whole different dimension. So on one hand, it's very interesting, because on one, it's like a paradox. On one hand, this is a call for action. Giving tzedakah, you have to be active. Rabbi Lazar went and searched for a poor person and gave him a tzedakah and found him. Before he him and in the sure that he fed him and he gave him a penny so he did this every morning before davening so maybe before mincha also but the um, so it's a very active active event but on the other hand you don't for a moment delude yourself that you have anything to do with it all you're trying to do is really evoke Hashem's response you know it's like the difference between the six days a week and the seventh day Shabbos six days a week we work you do creative work. You're the mover and the shaker and the maker and the doer. You come Shabbos, all your work is done. And you hand it over to Hashem. And Hashem just takes it to a whole different dimension. You know, you, you clearly realize your limitation. I'm doing and I'm... Yes, but what are you doing, honestly? You're planting a seed. What's the connection between your doing and the result? What's us take out of us. You have to plant a seed, you have to be active. But you have to remember and realize that you're giving it over to Hashem. When you're planting the seed, you're giving it over to Hashem. Hashem does the rest. He does a wonderful job. So you have to do, you have to plant, and you have to be. But don't for a moment forget what's really going on here. I'm just delivering it to Hashem. I'm doing what He wants me to do and the best that I can. But I'm giving it all to Hashem. Hashem, it's all yours. I, I, there's no human fingerprints in this. Shabbos, all your work is done, it's finished. I'm doing anything. On Shabbos, a Jew realizes, I don't do anything. My whole life is Hashem. Everything I have is Hashem. I'm not doing anything. hundred trillion cells, all working together in harmony. (laughs) You take a walk on Shabbos, it's a mitzvah. Everything you do, you realize, you give it over to Hashem. It's an impossible event. Shabbos, you remember, the whole existence is an impossible event. The whole life is an impossible event. Everything we have is an impossible event all the happiness and all the goodness and all the joy and all the kindness everything that we have is a pure act of gratuitous kindness from Hashem and then you give it over to Hashem and I'm not worried Shabbos I don't worry worry? it's like I'm planting a seed and I'm going to worry how how is it going to grow? you have anything to do with this stop worrying just give it over to Hashem I have nothing to do with this I have to plant the seed six days a week you have to work you have to prepare if you don't prepare nothing will happen on Shabbos you can't cook on Shabbos you have to have what the but even after you work six days a week you stop, there comes a point where you say, hey, worry me, there's no human fingerprints in this. I'm giving it all to Hashem I don't have a worry in the world, Hashem and then Hashem elevates it to a whole different dimension and it's a blessing so this is the idea for a Jew, this is very much an analogy of life you know, planting a seed because Judaism is a very active, dynamic way of life Hashem wants us to do mitzvahs. He wants us to do, to, do, to act. But don't for a moment think that it's a human, a human event. You're giving tzedakah. You think it's a human event. You're giving tzedakah, and that's triggering something that's not only not human, it's not even angelic. You're triggering Hashem's face. You're triggering Hashem's infinite self. It totally transcends the whole frame of reference of the whole universe. So you
2: shouldn't get pleasure from giving tzedakah?
1: Are you kidding? When you realize I'm planting a seed and this seed is going to grow into a tree, gives no, you the biggest I mean pleasure. The
2: kind of pleasure. we get we, we feel bigger about
1: ourselves. But the more you realize that that is what it does, what tzedakah triggers, then instead of planting grain, a person is very happy with himself and satisfied with himself. He's very happy with a beer minimum. I gave tzedakah. They should hang up a plaque for me already. They should make announcements in the papers. They should make a parade for me. You know when you realize what's really going on that I'm planting a seed and this seed is going to grow into a tree what I'm only giving 10% that's all I'm giving am I kidding I'm going to give 20% I'll give more you know what I'm doing with this tzedakah I'm, I'm planting a tree I'm bringing down Hashem I'm triggering Hashem himself so what, what, what then it's a different type of tzedakah it's not so egotistical it's not about me myself and I You know, it's about Hashem and then you give the tzedakah to the poor person, with a sensitivity. Because you can, you can kill with kindness. You make it very clear to the poor person, I'm the giver,
0: <laughs>
1: and you're the nebuch, you're the, you're the taker. And you kill him, you know. It's almost, almost take, your, take your miserable penny and keep it for yourself, you know. <laughs> Some will tell you that if you don't give
2: enough.
1: But it's how you give. You give it with sensitivity, you give it with kindness, with generosity, you give it with generosity of spirit, you give it with a good heart, with a glad heart. Some people it's so painful to watch them part with their money, you just have <laughs> rahmanas Just, just take take your money back. It's not worth it's not worth the <laughs> it's too painful. <laughs> you
2: know. not if you when you give seductive, you're giving what you have. But what if you win a lotto, a million dollars? And then you give a lot of... you talking about experience. No, but is that, uh, is that coming from you anymore?
1: Or? Now it's yours. What do you, now it's yours. Once you win the money, it's your money. So 10%, 10% is for sure. But, uh, but uh, now it's your money. And don't forget, once a person has a million, now he thinks a millionaire, you have to have at least 10 million to be considered a millionaire. <laughs> you know, people say when I when I'll be rich, I'll give. We know what that means. It never happens. It never happens. He's, he's up to fifty billion dollars. He's number three in the Forbes four hundred. Oh, no, no, I'll be seventy billion. I'll be number one. It never happens. A person who gives when he doesn't have, that person will give when he has. A person who doesn't give when he doesn't have is when well, I become rich, then I'll give. It never happens. <laughs> no such time. You give now, you don't have, you know, in the, in the IRS, in the 50s, when he had all these observant Jews that came to America after the war, they they couldn't believe that they were reading the returns of all these Jews. And a Jew knows, he gives 10% of the Nobody in America gives 10% of his earnings. It was unheard of. A middle income, lower middle income, he 10% of his earnings. You know, so the IRS is very suspicious the amount of tzedakah they were giving they must be making ten times as much it's like the story with the baker Shmetel the baker and they looked at his tax returns and then they saw it. him and his family went to Israel eight times in the year based on his earnings how could he how could he how could he travel travel eight times so they called him in they asked him How's, how, how do you you're, you're a bakery how do you uh, he said listen we deliver also <laughs> <laughs> so they were so certain that there must be it doesn't make any sense they're under-reporting their income it took them a long time to assimilate and now they hired they hired the observant Jews part of the IRS in New York to realize the mentality of a Jew no they realized that this is our mentality you give it's not even a question it doesn't even belong to me 10% of my money I'm doing anyone a favor Hashem gave it to me he entrusted I'm a trustee that's all I am he trusted me And he wants me to hand it over. He says, "Use your mind. Use your seichel. Hand it over to a charity you believe in, to people you believe in. Use the same critical mind that you use in business. Who to do business, who not to do business. Use your critical mind. Choose a charity where you know most of the money is not going to overhead, and (laughs) the money is actually being used as as advertised. And charity you believe in. Yeah. But you, you, you know, you're a businessman. Hashem gave you a mind. But that's it. That's that's the only." That's the only uh, choices that you have. It's not your money. If Hashem gave you 10% of that money, it's not yours. I'm just giving it to you. I'm trusting it to you. And you're the trustee. I'm putting you as head of the trustee. You figured out who to give it to. And so it, it's not even a question. It's not, it's not a great, it's not a sacrifice. It's not I'm doing anything. What's the big deal? It's not even my money. It would be stealing if I kept that money. If I didn't give that 10% to tzedakah, I'm a thief. I'm keeping money. that doesn't belong to me. And nothing good will come of it. Medra says it was once a Jew who would give he's supposed to give in Israel, and Israel is basically an agricultural society, so ten percent of your field, you give ten percent to the Levite, and then another ten percent, depending on the year of the sabbatical year, either you would give it to the poor person, on the third and the sixth year you would give it to the poor person. And then, the other, the other four years, the first and second, the fourth and fifth, you would take it to Jerusalem and eat it in Jerusalem. You can eat it personally, but you had to take it to Jerusalem. It had sanctity, the fruits, the produce had sanctity. You could only eat it in Jerusalem. So, a person would give 10 or 20% of his field, would give so the first 10% he had to give to the Levites. The Jewish people supported the Levites, because they had no inheritance in the land of Israel. They had no portion in the land of Israel, unlike all the other tribes. Their whole focus was the temple, the service. So we had to support them. So the entire Jewish people were obligated to give them 10% of their yield. There was one Jew who every year would cut down this 10%. Less and less and less. And then every year his field produced less and less. The less he gave, till one year he was down to his worth. His field yielded 10% of what it originally yielded. So all of his neighbors and friends came to him and he said, oh, you're the levi. Because it says in the Torah, you should give 10% to the... Before you were giving the, 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 the tithe, you were giving it to the levi. So you gave 10%, Hashem gave you 90%. He says, now you, you turned it around. You became the levi, because you, you're not giving to the real levi. So Hashem now gave you, gave you 10%. He shaved off the 90%, and he left, you, he left you with the 10%. So if we don't give the 10% that belongs to us, we're thieves, not ours. Doesn't belong to us. Hashem never gave it to us. We're just giving it us as a trustee. We're not doing anyone any favors. It's not a sacrifice. not a great heroic sacrifice. I'm giving ten percent of my money to tzedak. Obviously, a person who can't afford, a person who's really struggling to 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 break even to pay his bills, he doesn't have to give ten percent. He doesn't have the money, you know. But he has to. Everyone has to give tzedak. Even the poorest person in the world has to give tzedak because there's always someone less fortunate than us. So we're all obligated to give something. We can't just be a, a taker. We also, have, we also have to be a giver. Shem put every one of us in the position we have the ability to give. There's always someone who's less fortunate than us. What the guy say? He was walking around without shoes. He couldn't even afford a pair of shoes. He was complaining. He says, until he met the guy without legs. And Then he stopped complaining. You know, you think you, think you have it's bad. You don't know what bad is. You know, so everything is Everything is relative, you know. Instead of looking at look at the one who's worse off than you, and thank God, we count our blessings. This class
0: is part of the Lessons in Tanya project. More classes available at lessonsintanya.com.